everyone, to Authors on the Air. I'm your host, Pam Stack. We're proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I want to thank all of you out there uh, who listen to me and who follow me on social media for your your kindness and your well wishes for my sick kitty cats. Um, I now have two out of the five that are sick. But um, I am just uh, heartwarmed by all the wonderful posts that you have sent to me. Thank you very much. Uh, I've been gone for two weeks trying to deal with that and a laptop crash and a SIM card crash. So it's kind of nice to be stepping away from social media for 24 hours, but in the end, I missed all of you. My guest today is an award-winning crime fiction writer. And if you are a fan of crime fiction and you're not reading Hillary Davidson, you're making a big mistake. Let me tell you a little bit about Hillary. Before she became a crime novelist, she was a journalist. Um, She got her start as an intern at Harper's Magazine. Oh, my God, what a great magazine. And then after, joined the staff at Canadian Living in Toronto. So deciding that she'd rather write than edit, she left her job to freelance full time. It was at that decision to led her to write 18 nonfiction books, uh, many of them for, for Fromer's travel guides, which are fantastic, and articles for a wide variety of publications, including Discover, Martha Stewart Weddings, American Archaeology, Fitness, Reader's Digest, Chatelaine, and CNN Travel. Oh, I can just see the connections there. I want to pull together those threads. Her debut novel, The Damage Done, was the 2011 Anthony Award for Best First Novel and the Crime, the Crime Spree excuse me, Award for Best First Novel. Um, it also launched the Lily Moore series, which continued with The Next One to Fall, Evil in All Its Disguises. Her first standalone was Blood Always Tells, a terrific book, by the way, that was published by Tor Forge. Her latest novel, One Small Sacrifice, is the best-selling first book in the new series called The Shadows of New York. Um, The next book is due out in, I think, February called Don't Look Down, and she's published by Thompson Mercer. I am thrilled to welcome to Authors on the Air the fabulous Hillary Davidson. Hi, Hillary. Welcome. Hi, Pam. Oh, my goodness. And thank you so much for that absolutely like lovely, generous intro. I'm honored that you'd interview me. Thank you. Oh, please. Now, you've also won a short fiction, Anthony, uh, an Anthony for short fiction, the Derringer Award, the Spine Tingler Award. Your short stories have appeared everywhere. I mean, everywhere from uh, Elderly Queen to... Um, to crimes free, all due respect, every all over the place. But you said you have a personal <laughs> favorite in some of your a personal favorite for a collection called the Black Widow Club: Nine Tales of Obsession and Murder. I would love to know about that first. Oh well, well that is. Thank you for asking about that. Actually, because I um, put that collection together in 2013. Because the first stories that I had published, um, the first three were with Thuglet, 
um, mm-hmm. which unfortunately is you know no longer with us. I know. Um, I know. Crime Spree magazine. Um, there were a few others, but they all disappeared from their sort of original host sites. And right. I was sort of feeling terrible. Like, uh, you know, short stories for me, it's where my imagination goes to play. It's where I try out a yes. lot of ideas and voices and different ways of telling stories. And so I just didn't want them to sort of vanish from the world altogether. And so I decided to put together just what seemed like, you know, a little collection that, you know, would at least keep them in one place and make them available if people wanted to um, to read them. And I was really honored by the reaction that they got because people like um, Bill Kreider, who unfortunately mm-hmm. passed away passed a little away, while yeah. back, but yeah. He was a wonderful supporter, and he had a column, actually columns in several places, but he reviewed it for Mystery Scene. There were all kinds of wonderful um, sort of mainstream venues that gave this little collection love, and it's still going strong. Um, it's actually been incredible. I know some of it is fed by the release of the new book, but I always feel really excited that the sort of the stories that I started with, the stories that, um, you know, at the very beginning of my fiction writer sort of career, or where I dipped my toe into the water before I even tried writing a novel, I'm really excited to still have them out there and still have people reading them. So the collection is near and dear to my heart for that reason. Um, I know myself many times there's been something, you know, some story I've heard about and I've wanted to read and it's no longer available in print. And it's a very frustrating thing to hear about, you know, yes. work that sort of lies dormant like that. So, you right. know, it's, it's one of those things where it's exciting as a writer to now have, you know, publishing options where you can keep stuff sort of in um, in the line of sight if people want to read it. I'm I'm thrilled to see that you participate with a lot of anthologies, and and, and anthologies like, for example, the BoucherCon anthology, um, which was great, uh, and you did Unloaded too, and I love that anthology. And I love it for the fact that not only was the story writing so good, but that it had um, a message. It was a benefit uh, anthology. So I really appreciated that a lot. And um, I find it interesting because I think you're, you, you write crime fiction, but not necessarily noir. Is that correct? I sort of span this crazy spectrum where I would say, for instance, like my novels are certainly not noir. You could call um, right. them hard-boiled, for instance. Blood Always Tells was certainly a very hard-boiled book. But I would say that my short stories do veer into the noir realm. Um, sort of, They are not always, but often darker than my books are. Um, it's one of those things sometimes people say, well, you know, you write such dark short stories. Why don't you do a book like that? And I always say, like, I don't really want to spend a year <laughs> sort of with right, my right. Um, existence merged with, you know, these really psychotic characters that I write about right. in short stories. But it's fun right. to hang out with them for, you know, a few weeks. Um, right. And I love doing the, um, the different anthologies. Thank you so much um, for mentioning Unloaded because I love that project. And it was I such a good you. cause. It was Crime Writers Writing Without Guns. There was another amazing right. one earlier this year that Holly West edited that was a benefit yes. for Planned Parenthood yes. um, called Murder a Go-Go. Murder which a Go-Go. Is another, yeah, we talked yeah, about it. Amazing <laughs> yeah, amazing one to do. And she even got Jane Weedland from the Go-Go's to write the intro. Oh, I know. Um, Wasn't that and, amazing? 
Yeah, isn't that incredible? <laughs> I mean, a coup like yes. that, like I don't even know how stuff like that comes together, but it is a huge credit to the editor of the book because that's all their legwork and their passion and, you know, amazing yes. things can happen. Um, and then most recently I was in an um, anthology that Lawrence Block put together, and yes. he is just, you know, one of my literary heroes, and it was of just course. such an honor. Um, he reached out to me, actually because he'd read some of my short stories and thought they were appropriately dark, he told me he wanted to do a darker than usual anthology and uh, so he um, to say he roped me into it would suggest that I was unwilling in some way I just you know roped into it I was so delighted and excited and it's a great 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 collection called at home in the dark that also includes Joyce Carol Oates and Joe Hill and Wallace Strobe and like a whole cast of really terrific writers I, I love Larry Block is great. He's a funny guy. When you talk to him in person, he's just a funny guy, as you well know. He is. He's um, hilarious. Yeah. He's a funny guy. He 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 doesn't go on Facebook that often, but I'm sure you get his newsletter. I love reading his stuff. <laughs> he just it's so extreme of conscious stuff, you know, extreme of consciousness stuff that it's so funny and it's so real. He doesn't play off any of his fame at all. No. Mm-mm. And it's, no. it's just amazing. No. Um, Wallace Strobe interviewed Larry on this show because they've been friends for so long, and um, and uh, I just I didn't have the bandwidth, <laughs> honestly. Oh wow, to, that's to, it. I'd have to, to go back and listen to that. That's great. I'll send I'll send you the link. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Um, but uh, you know, uh, but let's talk about. Now, the first book in Shadows of New York, which has blown out everywhere. I mean, <laughs> everyone is talking about this book. This is your book by Thomas and Mercer, correct? Exactly. It's the first book in a new contract with them, and I have to say they have been a dream to work with. It has been <laughs> uh, such an exciting thing. It's yes. actually the first time that um, I had the experience of going through a developmental edit with one of my books. And quite honestly, I wish I could go back and you know take the first four through a developmental edit because right. you know you feel when you when you hand something in like okay this is done, but I've never had that process of an editor you know over a period of like two to three months sitting down and asking all of these questions and really sort of challenging me on everything and making me think more deeply about connections and all of these different things in the book. And I honestly believe that One Small Sacrifice became, you know, the best book that I've written to this point just because of that process. So, um, you know, I'm truly, truly grateful for it. And it is so exciting to um, to sort of see, like, the reach that it's had so far. I am oh my God. You know, so grateful for that. Well, I want to tell you that when I open my Kindle, I see this book on there. And, oh, wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I, I work uh, quite closely with the publicity department at, at TNM. So your publicist I know very well also, and probably your editor, who probably used to be a publicist too. They are a great, great, great house to be with. And they really yeah. support their authors yeah. a lot. So I'm thrilled for you. Let's talk about... One small sacrifice. Let's let's hear you tell me all about the book as though I haven't read it yet. Sure. So I guess the very um, basic outline of the story is you have a man at the center of the story who's a former war journalist, and he's come back to New York with a pretty bad case of PTSD that he's trying to cover up. 
and his girlfriend uh, goes missing one weekend. Um, to this photojournalist, Alex, he basically believes that his girlfriend has left him, um, so he doesn't report her disappearance to the police. But when the police do find out about it, um, a detective named Sharon Sterling is immediately concerned because Alex was involved in the death of another woman a year earlier, um, a woman who was a close friend of his who fell off the roof of his building. And Alex wasn't charged in this case, but the detective knows that there was a lot of stuff that didn't add up and, you know, that there's sort of like some, you know, murkiness to this story that was never like fully brought to light and this death that was written off as accidental. So um, she immediately gets on the case trying to find out what's happened um, to the girlfriend. And Alex, for his part, um, he's been trying to self-medicate for his PTSD, and he has mm. uh, sort of blackout periods. So the thing is, he's telling the police he's had nothing to do with his girlfriend's disappearance, but as he starts to talk to them, he remembers he had a fight with his girlfriend the day that she left. There are these um, holes in his memory that he can't really fully account for, and he starts to wonder himself, what did I do? The interesting thing is that you do get to move uh, to the different characters' perspectives. So you do have chapters told from Alex's perspective, from Detective Sheridan Sterling's perspective, and from a couple of other characters' perspectives. So you actually know where all of them are coming from. Um, you know, and Alex's confusion is genuine. He genuinely does not know whether he could have played some kind of terrible role in um, his girlfriend's disappearance and in the death of his friend. It's it's one of those things where, like, part of his own mind is kind of lost to him. And so um, along mm. with the reader, like, finding this out, like, this is also Alex's story unfolding as he's, like, piecing it together, too. It's it, kind it of a weird mix of a detective novel and then an amateur sleuth because Alex is sort of functioning that way um, in the book as well. Well, I was going to say it's a great character study. It is a magnificent character study. And as we're peeling away the layers of Alex, the story just becomes so tense, which is, I mean that in a good way. You know, you're like, okay, really, what's going on here? Is he the bad guy and doesn't know it? So it was just a fabulous read. It was wonderful. It really worked well. You're welcome. Now, I know that your next one will come out next year, February, I believe. Now, you're right. It's coming out pretty early. (laughs) It it really is. So, who are we going to be following? If are are we going to see Doctor? I mean, uh, Detective Sterling again? Absolutely. Not a spoiler to tell you that Detective Sharon Sterling, who I think honestly was many people's favorite character in this um, in this book. And quite honestly, when I started writing the book, initially she was supposed to be a relatively minor character, and her voice just sort of came into the book more and more and more. And she was just like such a strong, passionate, dedicated character um, that it was like at the end of the book, it's like, oh, my goodness, we absolutely need to hear more from her. 
So not a spoiler to say that she'll be back. And also um, her new partner, Rafael Mendoza, is back. Um, it's a little bit of a spoiler to say he, he does get injured in the course of One Small Sacrifice, but he will be back. And uh, you actually get some chapters from his perspective this time, which is not something you saw from uh, the first book. Uh, but the two of them have a very different kind of style. He's from Los Angeles and has uh, worked on some different uh, teams and has a very different approach to policing than Sharon, who's maybe a little bit more traditional. And uh, so the two of them are sort of a great team in some ways, but there's a lot of friction between them. And so you'll see right, some more of that right. play out in the new book. I can tell you a little bit more about it. I don't know how much of you want to hear about the new book, if you want to hear well, about the story overall. Well, I'm going to have you come back because you're going to come back when oh, that book releases you. and tell me all about oh, it. Yes, I, absolutely. I do want to ask you a few more questions, though, um, while we're talking about this particular book, because One Small Sacrifice really seems to – I think you found your writing vibe with this book. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, yeah. It's funny because it's told in a different style than my other books have been. And as much as, if I'm completely honest, it was a challenge to put it together, um, not the part about moving from different characters' perspectives because I feel almost from writing short stories that I kind of – you know, have developed sort of that writing muscle right. of writing in different characters' heads. Right. But I can tell you, it makes pacing in a book kind of a crazy thing where if you're jumping to another character's head, you've got to be moving ahead in the story and trying to make all of those moving parts work. It was crazy, and yet, you know, somehow it did come together in the end. So I'm glad you feel that it works. Um, I was joking yeah. with my editor because I wrote it as a standalone, and as soon as she read it, she said, you know, would you be interested in doing this as a series like we would love this as a series and it was funny because my reaction was like of course like I definitely immediately I thought of writing more books with Sharon and you know that was what I wanted to do but there was also this little part of me that was kicking myself because I had the toughest time <laughs> writing one small sacrifice and making all of the parts come together and I thought great like you you know you felt like you did that and you got that done and you wouldn't have to do it again and now you're going to have to do it again so, but, but I'm but I'm excited to do that. Aren't you? I mean, is it? Should a writer be challenging themselves from one book to the next? I think so. I mean, I think honestly, that's sort of one of the the joys of this is that you know, even it, like whether you're writing a series or if you're focusing on standalones or even if you're doing some stuff cross genre, it's always sort of like what's next? What you know? There's so much great work that's out there. There's so much to read. There's so much that's competing for people's attention because right. we've also got, you know, peak TV going on and all of these things. So why are you writing? What are you as a writer bringing to the table? And, you know, can you grab people's attention and, you know, hold on to that in this sort of media-saturated world? And so it's always, I guess, been my kind of challenge of I'll have these crazy ideas and I'll think, oh, my goodness, like how could I possibly – pull that off and I you know thinking in the abstract I have no idea but it's like an idea that's sort of calling to me or a character that's calling yes. to me and sit down in front of the computer and honestly it's a process of working on something for a long time and not seeing it come together and just having faith that at a certain point it is going to be 
something real and something that will draw other people, you know, into it. But it's, right. it's a long, hard process because I always feel like in the abstract I have these ideas and then it's like, you know, how on earth, you know, am I going to do that? One Small Sacrifice has a series of reveals that it's meant to kind of escalate as the book goes on because there are certain mysteries that the reader is sort of, you know, intrigued by at the beginning and looking to solve. And some of those are solved by the middle of the book, but then you move on to sort of these bigger mysteries that, you know, it's meant to sort of always be stepping up and stepping up and like, can I surprise the reader still in the last few pages of the book? And like kind of setting these challenges that... Man, like I say, in the abstract, it just never seems possible. Like, how on earth right. do you pull this off? But I think it's important to reach for that because, you know, that's that's the challenge to me. And when I think of books that I've loved, you know, I love being surprised. And I, I don't like it when, um, you know, you have writers who don't play fair with the reader and don't give them information. Yeah. I want right. the information to be there so in theory someone could put it all together, but hopefully they're reading right. it that won't really let them stop and think about it too much and just pulls them along. But, yeah, I I really – I just – I love – it's a thrill to sort of um, have these crazy ideas and to eventually, after this long process, be able to to make them become real and, you know, and put them into the world. So you've mentioned a couple things, and I wanted to go back and yank on a couple threads here. I was going to ask you, you know, what comes first, the character or or the story – but for you, it sounds like it could be either or. It's. I would say for me, the there's always a character at the beginning that I'm drawn to. And in the case of One Small Sacrifice, when I started writing, I was very much thinking of Alex, the photojournalist, and how he has he's carrying a lot of guilt for things that he saw when he was overseas and in battlefields and people that he photographed and sort of didn't play a role in saving and you know some of those people passed away so he's definitely got some heavy things on his conscience but this idea of your own mind betraying you and not knowing what you might be responsible Mm. for or even Mm -hmm. capable of. And that was really alluring. And so it sort of tied into the beginning of of the plot because I know the scenario when I start writing. I sort of know the opening of like, you know, the girlfriend has vanished and all of that. Yeah. But I don't know past that. I really, you know, that's sort of like I know the opening scenario and then who knows where it's going to go after that. Um, Fascinating. I've heard it described as, you know, driving in the dark and the rain and only seeing like a couple of inches ahead with the headlights. And yep. I feel like that often when I'm writing because it's like I will have a little bit of a sense of kind of an end point, kind of a twist and absolutely no idea of, you know, how it could possibly get there. But the only way to do it is to keep writing. There you go. I um I saw Jeffrey Deaver a couple of weeks ago down in um at Thriller Fest Key West and I asked oh, him I said, Yeah, oh yeah. And I love talking to him because I learn something new every single time I speak with him. But I ask and and let me ask you the same thing. Um can you write a book out of order? In other words, can you write the end because you have this really great ending and then go back and maybe write the middle or the beginning or shuffle it all? Does it have to cut in your writing process? Does it have to go from chapter one to the end? No. And I wholeheartedly endorse this method of writing. I joke about it as cheating because what happens is that as I'm writing, 
I'll often picture sort of certain scene, something that's ahead, something that's mm-hmm. pivotal to the book, very important. And I don't know what the connective tissue is to get me from yes. where I am in the book to that scene. And what I used to do is I would sit there day after day after day trying to get there and not get there and have a lot of words that I would be writing and then throwing out because they weren't working. Now I have no qualms about jumping ahead, writing that next point as much as I know about it, as far as I can get with that, jumping ahead again if I need to, or jumping back. Um, I, I just I feel like whatever the writer's process is, I mean, the important thing, you know, you absolutely have to sit down every day, produce some words. Like there's a certain right. discipline you know, that you need to have. But sure. where those words are in the book, <laughs> nobody has to know that later. Nobody has to know the order that you wrote everything. Um, I have actually a couple of times written a book starting entirely in the wrong place, and I've actually had to move sometimes like 30,000 words or more to another part because I started in the wrong or sometimes just throwing out words because I started at the wrong point in the story. So interesting. Um, you learn by doing, but you know, you kind of have to have this willingness of like go where the story takes you. I honestly feel like no writer should ever feel guilty for skipping over the bits that they haven't figured out. I used to um, sometimes lose myself down research rabbit holes trying to figure yes. out how to connect those dots. And it's much easier in retrospect once you've written those key scenes to figure that out than it is before you've right. written them. Well, you can also get, when you talk about it being a rabbit hole, you're not kidding because you really can. I mean, I know Google is a writer's best friend, but you can become so consumed with in you know researching that really it, it almost becomes a log jam for you. Exactly. And especially if you want to get the details right and suddenly you're like, well, maybe this scene would do it. And you spend all of this time researching right. that and maybe there's a field trip or two and then you go and write it. And suddenly you realize like, no, this is not what your book needed at all. And, you know, that right. sort of, you know, common phrase about murdering your darlings. It's like that darling must go. That darling is not adding anything to the story. Right. So. So it's that's painful. funny. Yeah, I I would imagine you'd spend eight hours researching to to really just pluck out one line that makes a difference. You know, one it's, significant yeah. sentence. That's so, <laughs> so true. No, because you you literally, if you have a lot of expertise in something, it just slows things down. If you toss all of that into the book, nobody wants you know these long explanations. Right. So you have to right. have this almost like offhand line where you're showing off your knowledge and the fact like you've nailed these details, but you're right. It is about, you know, eight hours of research so that you can have that great For one sentence. line. That, right. Yeah. Right. Nails it, pulls it together. When you have time to read, who, who do you like to read? Oh my goodness. There are um, so many authors writing now. I enjoy, um, I mean, there, there are some people who, like, as soon as they have a book come out, I'm on it. I was just at Allison Galen's launch right. um, just over a week ago. I guess now it's two weeks yep. ago um, for her new book, which um, right. I just, like, you know, dove into as soon as, <laughs> like, coming away from the party. She's such a um, good writer, too. She is. She's such a terrific writer. Um, Megan Abbott is another person who, yes, she's got a new, you know, her new I, book, yep. Yes, exactly, who I just um, – immediately dive into uh reed farrell coleman is another um right. person as well rachel housel hall who is oh, one of my fellow co-authors at tor forge she is magnificent and she um, really is 
her latest um, book is her first standalone, and it's just you know such a terrific one. Um, there, I mean, it's funny because there are also people who do um, really amazing short stories as well as novels. Some people who just focus on novels. Um, like a, one of my writer friends, Chris Holm, is also like a really amazing yeah, short story great. writer. And he really so is. You sort of yeah. this mix, yeah, like great novels, great short stories. And, um, you know, it, it's, I find that interesting, like people who can sort of move back and forth between those two worlds. Um, I mean, I'm a Harlan Coben fan. Um, you mentioned Jeffrey Deaver, love his books, yep. um, love Sarah Paretsky's books. I feel well, like I, I could go on like with a very long list because these are you and me I'm both. Just living writers, you know. Like there, right. there are some um, writers from you know the 1940s and that that relatively recently I've discovered. Like I've become a big Dorothy L. Hughes fan, um, and I didn't grow up reading her. I just discovered her a few years ago, but I've been reading some of her books and uh, Margaret Miller's books as well. So it's wow. kind of an interesting mix. Like I'm, I always have several books on the go <laughs> at any given time. So. Well, and, and isn't that interesting? Most people who love to read also do read a variety of books at once. So I'm the mm. same way. <clears throat> Pardon me. I, I love reading. And I love your book. And I'm thrilled Thank that you, you got so a chance much. to come here and, and talk to me. Will you please tell everyone where we can find you on the web and social media? Oh, absolutely. So um, website is under my name, and I should mention I'm a 1L Hillary, so it's HillaryDavidson.com. Right. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at HillaryDavidson um, as well, um, and on Instagram, which is also my happy place, um, and that's HillaryDavidsonBooks. So, yeah, please connect with me. There, you, there are also links on my website to some of my short stories, so some of them you can read online still, and I try to line those up so that people can still find them. This is award-winning author Hillary Davidson, whom I did not have near enough time to talk to, but I promise in February when the second book in this series comes out, you and I are you coming back, and we're going to talk about all those crazy magazines that you work for, and I oh, have to have goodness. some. Yes. I got. <laughs> I have to find. I have to find the thread because you know, just looking at the titles, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. So, um, <laughs> oh my goodness, no, there is a lot to talk about there. But your questions today were amazing, and I thank you so oh, much for having you. me on the show. Oh, Hillary, thank you so much. And I'm thrilled that we're friends on Facebook and we still get to talk. Um, I, w I don't know if you went to Thriller Fest or not. I did not get a chance no, to go this year. No, and I know you missed it because of your poor, sick little boy. Yeah. And is he doing uh, any better? Or? Yeah, you know, he's – no. <laughs> but, oh, and I'm I have so another sorry. one that got sick today, too. But, you know, that's pet life. Oh. It's what, when you're a pet owner, you know, those are the things that that, um, that you, you know, you have to put up with. I, I've been blessed. My yeah. cats are very healthy. And, you know, whatever. It's all good. Hillary Davidson, I think you're the best. And congratulations on all the success that you're having with this Thank wonderful you. new book. Oh I can't Thank wait to read so the much. next one. You have been <laughs> so kind. I'm so delighted that you enjoyed the first book. And absolutely, as soon, I'm actually in copy edits right now uh, with the next oh book. Oh, my gosh. So they should have that out, I guess, in the next um, 
I don't know, two to three months in arcs, I guess. It's, this is the one thing that's funny. Thomas and Mercer is amazing, but they had warned me that they'd like to bring the next book out early if the first book did well. And basically, you know, they believe the momentum is important. And so. And I do too. Short space of time. Yeah. I mean, the definite reasons for it, they have the data to back it up. But oh, yeah. uh, it was just sort of, you know, when I was on tour for the. Um, new book, One Small Sacrifice, I was doing the developmental edit for the next book, and it was a little crazy going back and forth between the two of them. Wow. Um, but, yeah, but at the same time, I'm, I am really excited because their process is amazing, and I, I really yeah. am not kidding when I say I wish I could go back and do a developmental edit on my earlier books because it just it pushes you to be a better writer. Forward, everything forward from now on. Hillary, thank you so much. I've so enjoyed our conversation. I'm so glad that you were my first guest uh, since I've been back on the air. Come back oh, again, okay? Wow. I will. <laughs> thank you so much, Pam. It was terrific. You're, you're so wonderful. And I'll talk to you again soon. I want to say thank you very much to my listeners today. And thank you, Mom and Dad. I'll see you later. Mm-hmm.